bit. He uh, says, well, what about, what about John? What, what are you going to do? And Jesus says to him, uh, tail end of uh, John chapter 21, verse 22, he says, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. And that ought to be our attitude with all this stuff that goes on in the world around us. What is that to thee? Just follow me. Just, just keep following Jesus. We're going to be uh, in 3 John this morning. Uh, 3 John, we're going to start at verse 5. And we're, we're covering pretty much the meat of the book here today. Uh, 3 John, start at verse four, uh, 5 and down to verse 10. And we're going to see G- John get right down to the business of why he wrote this letter in the first place. So, let's take a look at it. Third John 5 goes like this. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom, if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, before which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. Let's have a word of prayer before we get looking at that. Lord, we do thank you for the lessons that are in your word. And I do thank you for those words that you gave to Peter so long ago. That What, what concern is that of yours? Just follow me. Help us to do that, Lord. Guide us through this book of Third John. Show us what you'd have for us. And bless this day. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, as I say, uh, John's going to come right down to business. He's going to tell us exactly why he wrote this book. Uh, and he's praising Gaius today for showing hospitality to the traveling Christians that were coming through. Now, some people have suggested that these travelers had come to Gaius after having been refused by Diotrephes. And I think there's a case to be made by that. And when people make that case, they typically point to verses 9 and 10. We're going to get there, but 9 and 10 is where they really build that case, that they went to Diotrephes first, he refused them, then they ended up going to Gaius, and they found a warm reception with him. We'll talk about that as we go along. But when you read 2 John and 3 John back-to-back like we've done, It seems that there was a fair number of traveling Christians ministering to various churches in those days. That's the way things went. Uh, And some of these guys were heretics, and they were spreading false teachings. And John warns about them, and he particularly warns about participating with their wicked ways. We talked about that a little bit last week. Well, today we're going to look at one of the good ones who have gone out for his name's sake. And these folks that do that, these these folks who are going out for his name's sake, spreading the gospel, they deserve our hospitality, they deserve our kindness. Don't you agree? So, let's kick back off with verse 5. Beloved, thou doest faithfully 
Whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, he says. Now, if you're counting, this is the third time in, this is only verse 5, third time that John's referring to Gaius as his agapaite, his beloved friend. He says, beloved. Now he's encouraging him for his show of hospitality. You're my beloved friend, Gaius. And I'm encouraging you. You've been, you've been showing great hospitality to these traveling preachers who have come through your area. Thou doest faithfully whatever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers. You see, John's trying to encourage his friend with these words. He's trying to be as encouraging to him as he possibly can. See, Gaius has been welcoming these travelers even when he doesn't know them, even when they're strangers to him. As we've already noticed, that means more when it, when it talks about hospitality. We're talking about more than giving them food and shelter. We'll expand on that in a little bit. But we talked about last week that he's laying his reputation on the line as he vouches for their character before the whole community. If you're staying with me, that means I agree with you. I'm locking arms with you. Yes, this is one just like me. He's laying his character on the line, even sometimes for people he doesn't know. That's a pretty big risk. I'm not sure I would do that today. But that's the sort of guy Gaius was. Move down to verse 6. Which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. We already talked about it a couple of weeks ago, but when a stranger received hospitality in those days, they would often bring back a report, hey, this is a welcoming place, this is a good place, and they would report it back to their friends, so that if their friends had to travel there, they could bring letters of recommendation, like we spoke of last week, we spoke of a week before, to stop there themselves. Hey, next time you're passing through uh, Ephesus, make sure you stop there. That's a good place, he's a good man, whatever the case may be. So that's why John says, which have borne witness. They carried back. Hey, yeah, absolutely. That, that guy, Gaius, great guy. He'll take care of you. They borne witness of thy charity before the church. Now, of course, the opposite's also true. If there was not a hospitable reception, then that would be noted as well. Hey, you know, you don't want to stay there. It's kind of like getting hotel recommendations. Uh, same basic idea, except rather than we already talked about, a lot of the inns and taverns of the day didn't necessarily have the best reputation. So if you were a traveling Christian, you would try to avoid them if, if you could, and you would try to stay with a fellow Christian. That's the way things worked in those days. And that's where some people think that Diotrephes was not a hospitable person. We see that from uh, verses 9 to 10. We're going to get there in a few minutes and expand on it. But, by the way, just a bit of trivia for you, this is the first reference to the church in this letter. The word ecclesia, verse 6, which have borne witness of thy charity before the ecclesia, the church. We're going to see it again in uh, verses 9 and 10 also. And those are the only places 
that the church is found in any of John's writings. John doesn't talk about it very much. This word ecclesia is a very specific word, and it refers to a local body of believers, not what the Roman Catholic Church will teach you, the mother church, the worldwide church. That's not what ecclesia ever means in the Bible. It's always a local gathering. When you see uh, the church as a whole, it's referred to as the body. Uh, very distinct word that's used here. And now John encourages Gaius further to keep doing what he's been doing. You've been doing a good job. If thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. It's kind of cumbersome words in the King James English there. The uh, Greek phrase that's translated, bring forward on their journey, it's used throughout the New Testament. We see it all over the place. I'm going to give you a list of references. But it was talking about helping missionaries on their journey especially in a financial way. You want to look at uh, some other places where the same exact phrase is used? Uh, let's go to Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 24. Oops. It says, Whenever, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, that's our phrase, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Uh, 1 Corinthians 16.6. 6. And it may be that I will abide, yea, in winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. That's Paul using that same phrase. Uh, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 1 right next door, uh, verse 16. And to pass by you into Macedonia, and to come again out of Macedonia unto you, and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. And one last one, let's look at Titus. Titus chapter 3, and verse 13. It says, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. That's uh, particularly showing they're doing, when it uses this sort of term, bring forward on their journey, to bring on their journey, it's talking about financially supporting them as well. So Gaius was more than just opening his house to them and allowing them a place to stay and maybe a meal. He was also financially supporting them. You don't really get that too much from the English, do you? Until you really start to examine it. Now, these people were sharing the gospel as they traveled. So it was important to keep them moving, right? The gospel has to spread early on. This is first century. The gospel is growing, booming. So it's important to keep these guys traveling, moving, but only after a godly sort. Or as some Bibles translate, in a manner that honors God. So let's look at verses 7 and 8. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such, that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Here we give see John give several reasons why it was good for Gaius to send these folks along on their way in a manner that honors God. The first is, because it's for his name's sake 
that they went out. It's for His name's sake. These folks had gone out in the, for the sake of the name of Jesus Christ. They're spreading the gospel. Uh, that phrase, for His name's sake, in the Greek, it's a long Greek phrase that I don't even pretend to be able to pronounce properly, so I'm not going to... But it's used five other places in the New Testament. Most frequently in Acts. And it describes folks who have suffered persecution for His name's sake. You know there's a lot of persecution going on in the world today? There's a lot of persecution going on in the world today. And these people had gone out for the sake of the name of Christ, often at very great risk to themselves. They weren't just travelers traveling. Just, I do a lot of traveling. They weren't doing it like me. I'm going out because I'm collecting a paycheck. But these folks were going out specifically with the intent to spread the gospel. And they were trying to bring folks to faith in Christ. They weren't like the heretics who were trying to deceive people and were denying Christ. We already looked at that in 1 John. These folks were faithful proclaimers of the name of Jesus. I wonder, could, could we be described as one? Could any of us be described as going forth into this world for His name's sake? I wonder. But the second reason that these missionaries should be sent along on their way in a way that honors God is because they, they go out taking nothing of the Gentiles, it says. Taking nothing of the Gentiles. So as these people did God's work, they relied only on the hospitality of the Christian community. They were relying only on the hospitality of the Christian community. They refused assistance from the ungodly. Now that's kind of a pet peeve of mine, I'll admit that. Uh, a lot of churches will welcome funds from any corner, and they'll say things like, well, it's all God's anyway, and that's true. Everything in this world is God's, so God, if we'll take some of it. You hear that, that's how they do it. Or sometimes they'll refer to, you remember when the Israelites left Egypt, that says they plundered the Egyptians, and you'll hear people glorify it that way too. Well, we're just plundering the Egyptians, just like the Bible talks about. That's dangerous ground, folks, and here's why. Once you start to accept donations from someone, on you, can't they? And they can now steer you. By the way, that's one of the dangers of a paid pastorate too. Because now he can be steered by the congregation instead of steered by God. It's the same thing with the government, too, by the way. Uh, once you claim 501c3 tax-exempt status, the government can now tell you what you can and can't say. I'd rather listen to God, wouldn't you? But now I'm starting to step out of the pulpit. I'm getting onto a soapbox. I apologize for that. Uh, Now, there's a third reason why these folks should help these missionaries on, and that's in verse 8. It says, We therefore ought to receive such, that we may be fellow helpers in the truth. Now, we saw when we were in 2 John, uh, verse 11, that John warned against providing hospitality to the heretic preachers, because when you're uh, sharing hospitality with them, 
You're sharing in their wicked work, he said. So here he's encouraging, we ought to be helping true Christians. We just saw a couple of weeks ago, we hadn't ought to be helping those folks who were not true Christians. But here we ought to be helping true Christians because they're fe- then we're fellow helpers with the truth. See, by showing hospitality to traveling believers, we're partaking in their ministry. You know, not everybody's called to be a missionary, but we can all support them, can't we? Every one of us can support them. Now, finally, there's, uh, we see John describe some of the wrong behavior that he's seen, we've seen in Diotrephes. Now, Diotrephes, apparently, he refused to provide for the people who'd been trying to minister in this very church. Apparently, he'd rejected some of the people whom even John had recommended. John had sent people to this church, and Diotrephes had rejected them. And when he did so, there was one other thing he was doing. He's shaming the name of John. John... The old man, remember, that's how he's introduced himself in the last couple of books, had just said, I recommend that you go to this church. And Diotrephes had rejected him. Well, that brings shame on John. You see, that's one of the other dangers of not behaving properly in church, not behaving properly and calling yourself a Christian, I should say. You don't just shame yourself. You shame all other Christians by association with them. Verse 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Here we see John. He told Gaius that I've already written to Diotrephes. I've already written to him. And, by the way, this Diotrephes guy seems to already have some form of leadership in the church that Gaius belongs to. Gaius, we already mentioned last week, he didn't seem to be in any leadership position in this church at all. He's just a regular guy. Diotrephes is a leader in this church. John had written to him. Unfortunately, we don't have any copy of this letter anymore. You know, take a side note here, there's an awful lot of uh, things like that in church history. We know that there were letters that were written that we no longer have anymore. Like, for instance, there was a 3rd Corinthians. Paul wrote a 3rd Corinthians. We don't have it anymore. Why do we only have 1st and 2nd Corinthians? Because that's what God chose to preserve. That makes it even more important, the things God did choose to preserve, doesn't it? I would have liked to have seen that letter that John wrote to Diotrephes, but God didn't see fit to preserve it. Why? Because it's not that important. It's more important for us to study 3 John, which God did keep. Now, apparently, Diotrephes loved to be a leader. It says he loved to have the preeminence. He loved to exercise his authority. And we'll see in verse 10 that he loved recognition. We've all met folks like that, haven't we? We all know somebody like that. And because of his arrogance... John says that he received them not, or received us not. That's a very literal translation, by the way. Uh, John includes himself 
with the people whom Diotrephes refused to receive. John hasn't even been there yet. John's just there by association with the folks he's sent along. But like I said earlier, when you reject these people John had sent along, you're rejecting John as well. That's pretty bold, don't you think? That's pretty bold to be a church leader and reject someone John has recommended. John, the last surviving apostle. And you don't receive him? That's pretty brass. Now, by the way, not receiving the apostles' teaching is alive and well today. Just something to consider. Let's wrap up with verse 10. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. So here John's given some explanation into what he thinks Diotrephes is doing here. He apparently sees it in four different categories. First, he's maliciously gossiping about John and his church. Secondly, he refuses to accept genuine Christian missionaries. Thirdly, he's prevented other folks from receiving other Christians. He's told other people, don't you receive them either. I'm not receiving them. Don't you receive them either. So he's stopping other Christians from doing the right thing also. And finally, he excommunicates anyone who disagrees with him. And John says that if I come, and we've already seen that he has plans to, if I come, I will remember his deeds which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words. John thought this gossip was a pretty dangerous thing. Gossip, very dangerous thing. You better pay attention. John says that when he comes to visit, He's going to call attention to this gossip that Diotrephes has been spreading. And John goes on to say that uh, Diotrephes isn't even happy with that, spreading gossip about, against John, slandering John. He refuses to welcome other believers. Neither doth he himself receive the brethren. He won't receive them himself. He won't stoop down to accept them. He refused to accept the people, even the people that John had recommended to him. And again, that's an insult to John who vouched for him. John's laid his character on the line sending these people to him. And Diotrephes says, nah. And Diotrephes even went so far as to stop other Christians who wanted to accept John's friends. Oh, you're from John? Come on in! Diotrephes was trying to stop that. In fact, Diotrephes kicked him out of the church. That's pretty extreme. He forbiddeth them that would and casteth them out of the church. That's pretty extreme. That, by the way, is a gross abuse of leadership. Doesn't matter whether you're a church leader, any kind of leader. It's bad enough to be a proud leader. But when you start shutting off anybody who disagrees with you, that's a very serious problem. You go ahead and apply that anywhere you want. 
I'm not going to say any more on it. But let's make sure that we, as believers, as Christians, have a welcoming, have an accepting attitude, especially toward good, God-fearing Christians who are sharing the gospel at their own expense. That's the lesson that John's given Gaius here. These people are spreading the gospel at their own expense. Help them on their way. Whether it's giving them a place to stay, whether it's giving them food, whether it's giving them money, help them on their way. Because some people around this world are risking an awful lot for the sake of his name. You and I don't risk very much right now. Very little risk here. Some folks are risking their lives. Brother Fisher, would you mind closing us in a word of prayer this morning?